0: Welcome to another Early Learning Matters podcast. This is the first podcast in the updated Early Years Learning Framework podcast series. My name is Jackie Ward and I'm the Early Learning Coordinator
1: at the Department of Education. And my name is Nikki McDowell and I'm an Early Learning Advisor with the Department of Education. So today we're talking about the uh, key changes uh, that have happened
0: in the updated learning framework and some of the reasons why and what that means for your practice. So we'll start off with that saying, well, why has the earliest learning framework been updated uh, in the first place? And that's really um, a really important thing, I guess, to talk about first, that all of our curriculum documents and frameworks need to reflect contemporary practice. Uh, They also need to reflect changes in the evidence, research, contemporary understandings and other
1: changes to mandated frameworks, such as the National Quality Framework. Yeah, that's right. And it's really important to know that the updated framework hasn't actually been rewritten, that these revisions to the framework are an update or a refresh rather than that whole rewrite. Um, So some of the key changes that have happened in this update are both structural and conceptual. So the changes include strengthening Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander perspectives throughout the framework. The vision for children's learning have been updated and some of the concepts have been clarified. There's been a refining and a clarification of new and guiding principles. There's been refining and clarifying to the practices, including aligning guidance for the planning cycle to the National Quality Standard. There's been some strengthening around the learning outcomes. And there's been an expansion to the glossary. And this is really to support a common understanding of the terms used throughout the whole framework.
0: That was awesome. That's a great summary. And I think um, that's kind of the point of this podcast, isn't it, Nikki, that if you haven't had an opportunity to read through the changes yourself because you're a busy educator working with children, um, that we've sort of put together this um, first podcast just to sort of be a little bit of an overview and and an opportunity for you to feel informed about the changes, um, you know, if
1: you haven't had a chance to review them. Yeah, absolutely, Jackie. And I think um, as a busy educator, the first thing that everyone really wants to know, um, uh, when do we need to start impl- implementing these updates? Um, and I think in the communication about the framework, it's there's plenty of time to make this transition to the updated early years learning framework. And there's also a phased approach So um, phase one begins this year in 2023, and here at the Department of Education, we're calling that the engage phase. Then we move on to phase two of the implementation of these updated um, changes, and this will commence in 2024, and we're referring to this as, as the phase we call enact. And then beyond this, because it's really important that you don't just stop engaging with this framework in 2024, but so beyond 2024 um, is when you really begin to embed those changes that have happened. And it's really important to know that the original learning framework will remain in operation, and that as an educator, you can actually refer to both of the frameworks, so the original and the updated, until February 2024. But I think when you um, are thinking about how you're going to make this transition to this updated version, um, it's really important to become familiar with the, the updated framework as early as practical for you in 2023, Jackie?
0: Yeah, that's a really good point, um, Nikki, because I think, you know, there's been lots of chatter about, um, you know, the changes are minimal or this hasn't changed much or that has changed or, you know, all of those sorts of things. But the main thing is that, educators take some time and really engage with the changes because it's a really good opportunity to come back to the framework itself anyway and really check in that your practices are really aligned with all of the ideas and the concepts and the and the guidance in the in the updated frameworks. And I also uh, forgot to mention a little bit earlier on is that the this process has been really, um, it's been led by a CEQA um, with a consortium of um, academics who've contributed to, um, you know, reviewing the literature and what's current now, what are current understandings. And also seeking lots and lots of um, educator feedback. Over 5,000 um, people across the country have had an opportunity to input. And there's also been um, the the frameworks have been trialled in some services uh, across the country as well. So it's, um, it's something that I think that we, as I said, it's been... Really well thought out in my opinion, I guess yeah. is what I was trying to search for the words to say that, you know, like um having had some time to really read through and, and start engaging myself and with our team, Nikki, in yes. order to develop some resources and yeah. and things that to support educators to go through it is that I can really see that there's been a really um what's the
1: word, um rigorous approach. Absolutely. And yeah, I completely agree with that, Jackie. And I think um as we go through the updates and some of the changes that we made, that uh, have been made, I hope that's really clear to the sector that this is a very rigorous and well thought out approach that's been taken. Yeah, that's awesome. Let's start off with, we're not going to go
0: through every single change in a lot of detail because it's a podcast and we want to make it short and snappy, but we thought we would review um, sort of section by section the changes and let you know sort of the the high level sort of bits and pieces that you need to know. Um So first of all, the vision. So the vision has been um, expanded to emphasise that all children um, are successful as lifelong learners and active and informed community members with knowledge and understanding of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander perspectives, which again is a really important and contemporary um, practice, I guess, that acknowledgement of our First Nations people. And it's also been expanded to recognise the diversity of children, families and communities and the opportunities that diversity brings to know more about the world. So I think, again, that's a really nice, inclusive kind of approach. The overarching themes, there's been a bit of modification there, but one thing I really wanted to call out is that particularly recognising belonging recognises children as glo- global citizens now, which, yeah. again, I think is um, that's a big change, I guess, from when the Early East Learning Framework was first published in 2009. Our society is where our world has changed a lot. We're a lot more globally cl- connected. And then we've got children's learning and just really strengthening the descriptions um, on play-based learning to support educators in explaining the validity of play-based learning, but also to um, sort of uh, include more contemporary understandings
1: of play-based learning. Yeah, that's right, Jackie. And I think the other um, update that's been made in relation to the vision is the the introduction of the planning cycle and how that links to that vision as well so thinking about all those things that that Jackie's just mentioned so then how do how how can educators bring that back to their continuous cycle of planning and implementation and critical reflection and assessment and evaluation and i think um you know that vision really calls that out it makes that reference to the link between the expanded vision and children as global citizens, and all of those things that Jackie's mentioned, and how that impacts on the planning cycle. Yeah, that's that's
0: really awesome, and I think any time that we strengthen um, educators' understanding of the planning cycle and that planning cycle being sort of equally acknowledged in the National Quality
1: Framework as well as yes. the Early Years Learning Framework, I think is really important. Absolutely. And I guess just too that having that planning cycle there really emphasizes that, you know, high quality programs for children have a strategic and a reflective approach in the way that they're developed. So there's new principles.
0: So the principles have um, had some updated names as well as the introduction of some new ones. Um, They've been reordered and the numbers removed so that it's not about one's more important than the other. Uh, There's eight altogether now. And as as we've said along, but just reiterating it, that they're a reflection of contemporary theories, perspectives and research evidence. And they're essential for understanding how you um, do early childhood pedagogy, really. Um, and the first one is uh, of the three new principles is Aboriginal, Aboriginal, and Torres Strait Islander perspectives. Nikki, do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it can go without saying that the um, introduction of of this perspective, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander perspective principle is absolutely necessary. It brings the framework up to contemporary thinking and evidence and research. Um, And I think it's really important that when you do have time to sit and read and engage with the framework, that you take the time to read the description of this principle and, and listen and think about um, why this is so fundamental and one of the fundamental themes in this updated early years learning framework. That's a really good point. And we've also got a new principle on sustainability, which is
0: a a great one as well. Do you want to talk a bit about
1: that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, this sustainability principle is really about going beyond environmental sustainability that everybody, I think, immediately thinks of when they hear sustainability, but it's more around being sustainable um, around not just environmental issues but social issues and economics. Sustainability too. So there's some really quite. Um, abstract concepts to start to think about but I think over time um, it will be really important for educators to reflect on how they can do this in their practice. And
0: I think it really pulls out whereas before you know like environmental responsibilities was mentioned as a you know key component of outcome number two but it really sort of brings that thread of ideas through to say well it's actually it's it's more important than well not more important but it's 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 framed as something that you you know you you hold as a guiding idea about your practice then and then that supports children's learning and understanding about sustainability absolutely and then we've got the last one um which is probably one of my favorite inclusions because i always thought it was missing um, is collaborative leadership and teamwork so um, i think we could have used a lot of the other principles to guide how we work together and as teams and how we you know lead each other but i think Calling it out there and one of my most favourite things about it is the idea that it really highlights professional accountability and that shared responsibility because, you know, working in a service that is has legislative and quality standards has inherently professional accountabilities whether you like it or not. That's yeah. the reality yes. of it. And, yeah, so some some guidance on the way we work together and the way we lead um, is a really important thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the last one is just that sort of final um, clarification around, you know, instead of having multiple terms for um, reflection, reflective practice, critical reflection, there's a real emphasis on that your reflective practice or your reflection should be critical. And again, I would agree that they almost always are, aren't they? If you're reflecting on something, you are sort of critiquing things, you are being critical um, and analysing an idea or thoughts. That's a really nice one.
1: Yeah and I think what I like about that too is that it's made really clear in that updated version around that that critical thought and critical thinking when you are reflecting yeah, that's awesome. So moving on to the uh, practice changes. So
0: there's been a, a reduction in, in the practices, um, which is nice too, to know that the review has been about looking for opportunities to consolidate as well as opportunities to add some more content. So there's there used to be eight, now there's seven because of the combination between um, play-based learning and intentionality. Um, but what I wanted to sort of start with is what I think, again, is probably one of my favourite changes because I think it was always not really super clear is, you know, holistic approaches um, has been updated um, in in regards to that it's now um, about holistic, integrated and interconnected um, approaches to practices. And that it really look, talks about that sort of um, you know, thinking and looking and and talking about not just learning outcomes, but, you know, the overarching themes, the principles and the practices and how they all work together to promote children's learning and how they influence your pedagogy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think thinking about um, these practices for me, I think it's really important to call out that one of the most significant updates to the practices has been a shift in language. So, um, cultural competence has been removed and renamed cultural responsiveness. Um, And I think that really sets the tone and um, guides educators to engage really deeply around what that means for them. And I think to Teams and educators will need to take time to unpack that but having that practice there is really important because then it goes hand in hand with that introduction of the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander principle that's been introduced but then again, even further, it also aligns to the recognition of the Alice Springs Education Declaration at the very beginning of the framework too. So I think those the- that theme that's running through the document is there from the very first page right the way through to the end. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, so
0: just the last section that we'll talk about um, is um, probably the one that educators often rush to first, <laughs> so the learning outcomes. And interestingly, at first glance, you might go, well, there haven't been um, too many changes around the outcomes, probably with the exception of learning outcome number three, which now has a key component. So sort of decompressing. There was a lot of content Mm. in those two key components. And now there's that introduction of mental and physical health and personal safety, which I think is really important leading on to those conversations that happen later in school as children get older around because consent um and child protection and all those sorts of things child safe standards so it's yeah. a really nice um sort of call out to all of those sorts of things yeah and while the outcomes you know haven't changed per se they've been Lots of tweaks and updates to um, the examples within the documents. Yeah. So this is uh, this learning is evident when children. And so there's been lots more things added to there and then some lots more things added to. And this is how you promote this type of learning as an educator, which I think is always
1: helpful because that's good yes. advice. Yeah, absolutely. You know, those, they're subtle changes, but they're there. Um, and I think going back to just what I mentioned about that theme running through the entire of the document that, um, you know, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander perspectives. So when you actually begin to look at the outcomes and begin to look at the evidence and and guiding um, points there around how you can um, evident children's learning, then you begin to see that, you know, for Aboriginal and Torres, Torres Strait Islander perspectives, there's new ways to promote these perspectives Mm. I think for everyone but there's also an addition on how you can support learning for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander children and family and their families in particular so I think that's a great call out too. Yeah really good inclusion.
0: All right, well, keep out your eye out for more of these podcasts. Thanks, Nikki. It was really great um, talking to you about this. I think everyone's probably can tell that we're keynotes on the Early Years Learning Framework. So. Absolutely.
1: It's just so great just to finally have this um, updated version and, and to bring it into line with, with contemporary thinking. That's awesome, Thanks.